Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. This week we're joined by under a gas lit lamps Mark Jarobi as we all take stock of Aston Villa's one-all draw with Newcastle United. And we also have a brief little chat about the upcoming game on Saturday against Wolves. A one-all draw at St. James's Park leaves us probably wanting more, but nonetheless, we are back for another edition of the Holtcast. Of course, I am not here alone. Danny Razza, my good friend, how are you doing? Hi, Cole. I don't know whether I'm happy or sad. I am wanting more, just like you said. Uh, I can't help but think we needed the three points, but equally, that is a very vital draw. Uh, I'm split but so are the points. Fair enough. I think we're we're all sitting there kind of wanting more, but kind of understanding kind of what happened in terms of uh, the poor goal to concede, but thank God we have some Elmo magic to save the day, or maybe it's some Dubravka error to save the day as well. Of course, it's not just me and Danny. We do have a special guest. We have Mark from the Villa Lamp here. Mark, as your first ever time on the Holtcast, uh, introduce yourself and more importantly, how are you doing? Oh, everything's well. I kind of a little split in two minds about the uh, the one one draw, but yeah, Mark Jerobi, you can find me over at Villa Lamp for uh, under a gaslit lamp. My first time on the whole cast, as Colt said, but I've been listening to you guys for a long time. I try to so- show support whenever I can, whenever you guys put something up. So I'm actually really excited to be here. This is pretty cool. Well, it's good to know we have one listener, so <laughs> that's always Yo, appreciated. Mark, Mark, can we just set the score really quickly? Sure. Uh, yeah, I. I'm actually really unhappy because you, when, you, when you guys released the magazine, I really wanted a copy, but then like I, I just missed out and I never got that magazine and I'm really sad about that. And it's not your well, fault. No, no, no. Well, I'll, I'm actually, I'll get you a digital copy as soon as we're off this call, I promise you. Oh, beautiful. Well, there we go. Friendship. I'm only messing around. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, let's get back into the chatter, shall we? Of course, like I said before, it was a one all draw at St. James's Park. It's a tough one to take. Everyone kind of pinpointed this one even before Project Restart began as one of the games that Villa needs to win. Uh, Coming away with a point, Mark, are you a little disappointed? Because at the end of the day, it's a point we're now tied kind of out of the relegation zone in that sense but of course we're still in it because of point differential yeah I'm disappointed man like I I really thought that I I knew the first couple games were going to be a little bit tricky and I knew that Villa probably weren't going to come out you know you know guns a blazing and knew what they were going to you know they were going to win start putting points on the board and all that kind of stuff I knew it was going to be a little bit tricky to get back but I really pinpointed this game of being a game that we'd be able to not only beat Newcastle but I thought maybe some of the spine of the players might have wanted to give it to Steve Bruce a little bit um, we didn't play poorly in the first 45 minutes at least I didn't think so but this was definitely a game that I that I was looking at at least so it should have been manageable that we got three points and still kind of scratching my head now even you know after the game trying to figure out how, how that didn't actually happen. Yeah, no, 100%. I think when I looked at the whole game as a whole, we'll start with the lineup here because it it did change. Um, Thank God some of it changed because it was desperately needed. Of course, you had Trezeguet coming out furthermore on the wing. So you had a Trezeguet-Algazi combination on the wings. Uh, Jack drops back in uh, to the midfield, which has been basically every Villa fan's um, issue for forever now it feels like um, so we had some positivity there but of course you still have Ezri Konza as right back Danny will come to you next Konza at right back how are you feeling about that one because I think every Villa fan aside from that was pretty happy with the lineup but it's not just that I think I think a lot of people sorry I just responded to you like a proper American there I was, <laughs> this is not, like, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on an Aston Villa podcast with an American Canadian and I've got to watch my vernacular. I'll bring it back to, to, to Bromtown. 
but yeah, sorry, going back to it, uh, Esri Konza at, at right back. I, 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 I've made my criticisms of him before. I, I haven't got a problem with him. I think, he's, I think he's a good player and I think he's, you know, I think he's a good defender. But he's, he's, not looking, he's not looking too comfortable out there. And what's more, Courtney Hawes, who's right next to him at right centre-back, isn't comfortable there whatsoever. Because despite having you know, a, a solid game, most of them, for, 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 for large, large parts of the game, there's always that moment where they just slip back into sort of their old positioning. And uh, we saw that with, with Courtney Hawes later on with that goal uh, being sort of stretched out from Konza. And it just felt as though, uh, I think the other thing for me, and I think the main thing which kind of shows him up there is that Villa in general are very good at using their fullbacks. Matty Target on the left-hand side when Jack Greenish kind of comes inside, when El Ghazi or Trezeguet come inside. They're looking for that pass. They're looking for somebody out wide because they like going so central. Uh, but I thought for large parts of the game, Trezeguet and El Ghazi, when they were looking to attack and looking for some uh, outside them to, to whip the ball in because they're having to deal with defenders, there just wasn't that option. And that's because Ezri Konza is not as strong coming forward as El Mohamedi or Gilbert. And I think it was very clear to see that. Yeah, 100%. <sighs> I think, you know what, when you look at the overall basis of this game, Villa were the better side. I think that's the first time that we can say that, guys, for a while. <laughs> the last two games haven't been too pretty viewing, but from the get-go, Mark, this was one that uh, we basically, I wouldn't say it was a walk in the park by any means, because of course we should have won it if that was the saying, but it was one where Villa kind of strutted their stuff and played with confidence. Yeah, I think any any response after the twenty six percent possession you're going to have, you know, that we had against Chelsea, I think was going to be a positive. It's, it's not it's not hard to improve upon that. Um, now, Dean Smith has said, you know, the way that they set up against Chelsea might have been. I mean, he didn't say it exactly, but he kind of alluded to the fact that it might have been a plan for them to do that and know that they were going to, you know, sit back very deep and narrow and, and try to stop Chelsea from doing what they do best. So for here against Newcastle, I think the team is naturally just going to look a lot better, a lot more livelier. The first half, I really had no complaints other than the two big missed chances. Um, you know, Trezeguet scuffs one, you know, pro- probably should have done a lot better. Um, there's, there's a couple set pieces that may have been a little bit better through a delivery, but I don't know. It's still, it's still just a little shocking to me that it's it's going to be hard. Like we talk about the lineup changes and everything. You now have what three different players that are playing in positions that they haven't been used to playing this season. You know, Jack Grealish moves inside, and while that was probably necessary, he hasn't played there in a long time. You have Trezeguet on the left, which doesn't play there unless he's really needed to. And now you have Ezra Concept right back. You know, and he's he's still trying to figure out what's going on as far as being in a right back and. Danny's right. You know, you talk about having an Elmo who's the most experienced player at Villa, and then you have Gilbert. These people play in fullback positions all the time, so they know when to go forward. They know when to come back. They have the confidence to go forward. They have the confidence to get back. You know, they know when to take a gamble, when not to take a gamble. So, you know, it, it was it was going to be a little tricky. I think, you know, players are trying to trying to buy into being used when when they have to be and where they need to be but it's still one of the you know we can't we don't really have the time afforded to us right now for for gelling or trying to you know figure it out did you guys see that um smith made konza a bit of a scapegoat after the game as well yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, so he he said he said that he had a bit of a pop-up um, it's worth for what he said. He's a young player and will be better for it, given the situation we're in at the moment, especially given the video work we've done for the game. He gets attracted to a wide player when he should be inside covering Courtney. It should have been a simple run coming onto it, but he doesn't, and Dwight gets a simple goal. Well, you know, he's. Can I, can I just say as well, looking at that bit, looking at that goal, he's the only guy there. He's the only guy in the box, and yeah, he should be covering Dwight Gale, but 
why are there four people trying to box off Andy Carroll, including yeah. Hawes and Minx? They should be in the box. So I don't understand why he's having a pop at Konza. He's not a right back. And we've seen that for the last couple of games. And you just do wonder. I mean, this is, do you remember Martin Neal back in the day used to keep sticking everybody at right back? It seems to be like a cursed position for Villa. No, that's a fair assessment. I think the thing actually you would have missed on this, Danny, me and Mark were having a, obviously a quite lengthy chat uh, when we were, before we were recording this call and waiting for you to join. Uh, we we kind of basically, I would assume, came to the agreement that it's almost like a wonder. Like if Elmo, say, comes on a little bit before that goal, does that same error happen? And you, I think, I don't know if you would agree, Danny, and I'll come to you about this, but for me, I'd say no. Because as a right back, you, you're more familiar with your position. You know your position. That is your trade. So I'm wondering almost, you can't predict that thing. I think that's unlucky. But what are your thoughts on that? No, 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 no. I, the, 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 problem, the problem with that, and I, I, don't, understand, I don't understand why Dean Smith is, is, is having the pop at, at Konza there. Yeah, the right back should probably be going out. So if the, if the right back is covering Dwight Gale there, right, who's covovering the right-hand side? True. What happens then if Andy Carroll's pass goes out wide? Um, instead of in, in, instead of into the box, you're still left. You're still left with tons of space over there. That's not Conza's fault. It's Horse's fault, and 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 Mings's. You can't you can't leave all the defensive work in the box to the fullback. That that is fair. That is fair. Now I, I feel like a silly boy now. Thank you, Danny. No, 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 no. Don't, <laughs> what, I, what I will say is right. I still agree with you in the sense that um, had El Mahamadi come on beforehand, if somebody else had come on beforehand then Newcastle don't take the onus. I think my main criticism of Dean Smith has been that, and somebody sent me a clown emoji after the game because I said this, Dean Smith is probably the worst at game management in the entire league. He's, he never is the manager that makes the change before the tragedy, right? The tragedy always kind of occurs beforehand. During the drinks break, 65 minutes have gone and you've got, you're allowed to make five substitutions. It's clear that something's up. It's clear that Newcastle are bossing possession. Why is it that Steve Bruce is making two changes before Dean Smith? True. No, that. See, it kind of when you said that though, it kind of reminds me of like I don't know if you guys have watched too much Arsenal stuff in the past when Vanger was still there, but that's kind of Vanger esque. He would make like a 90th minute substitution, and it like it just wouldn't matter. And you're thinking, why wouldn't you make that 20 minutes? That's the only really uh, same comparison I can make there. Uh, but with kind of going and staying, oops, sorry, I just smacked my mic. My bad. I'll erase that part. But um, kind of going with uh, the defensive theme we're going right now, looking at Courtney Hawes, what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Marco, come to you next, because for me, I've, I'm kind of wondering why you wouldn't have played Elmo and slotted Konza into that spot. Because if I go on Twitter, if I go anywhere on social media, as soon as Hawes gets the ball, everyone kind of has just holding their breath, has their hands in their mouth, kind of hoping for the best. Yeah, with, with Courtney, I think it's a curious case. I, I think that he does have ability. I don't know if he's a Premier League standard player. I'm not going to go that far. But, I mean, you know, Villa have what they have, and you kind of got to use it. But it's almost as if Courtney Horse is really, really relying on Douglas Louise to be a security blanket of sorts for him. And you're almost seeing Douglas starts to run toward Courtney the minute that, that the ball lands at his feet for an outlet, whether that's for Louise to get the ball and try to pump it out to the wings or if he wants to turn on the ball and make a run. Um, for me, I thought Douglas Louise has been fantastic. I think he's been fantastic since the restart. But I think that Courtney Horse is only looking as good as he is right now, which may not even be very much to some people, is because of Douglas Louise is coming back in, into the middle of the field to help him out with, with short passes out of the back. 
Um, you know, horse again, I mean, it's the second game in the row. He almost gave away a, a, a ball for a goal, you know, and he, he gets turned around. It seems like he doesn't really have the technical ability. There's sometimes where I wish he would just kind of punt it in the Rose Zed instead of just dilly dallying on the ball or trying to look for an escape. Like no one's going to, no one's going to blame you for booting the ball out of play, even if it's in your own third of the pitch, you know, you're a defender. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to clear danger when it happens. So, I mean, it's still a curious case, but you know, it's, it's still the fact of, I mean, did Bill even have any center backs on the bench today? You know, with with Ingles being out, I'm, I'm not I'm not too certain. So, you know, what would happen if Ezri Kansu would get an injury? What happens if Courtney Horse gets an injury? Tyra and Mings, you know, you start to put yourself in the compromising positions. But I'm happy with what Douglas Louise is doing to help him out. I'm just not sure that I'm not sure that Courtney Horse is Premier League quality. Yeah, and I think that's the common theme since the Premier League has restarted for Villa. Um, every game, there's someone that has to be babysat. You look at Grealish. Um, in the Chelsea game, ideally, as the biggest one that comes to mind, basically playing Kanza's position at times. It was, it was needed because you're under that much pressure. And, of course, it's a little bit different with only 26% possession and you're basically just sitting back the whole game. And then you look at this one, too. You almost need a babysitter for Courtney Haas as well. So I, I think it speaks to, and I think we can all agree, guys, it speaks to the recruitment and the lack of depth. And at this point, unfortunately, you can't, of course, add anything. So you're stuck to battle it out with what you have. It, it does kind of bring me back to the whole, I'm kind of going off topic from this game, but it almost makes me wonder, why would you let James Chester go on loan? Like now looking at the depth, you can't predict things in terms of injuries with angles and that kind of stuff. But now you look at it, say if something happens to Hawes or Konza or Mings, we're down to two center backs and depending on the status of angles going forward, if he can even come back in time for the rest of the season, it, it might not be pretty. We could be playing with an out of position player, but I, I think if we now move on to the Elmo Elmo go here, it's it, Mark. Is it, is it just a matter of luck here or was it something that was brewing you thought and maybe we more like deserved it? Cause in my opinion, I think we deserved it, but when you think about it too, it was a pretty lucky goal. Yeah, it was a really lucky goal for me and the Braca should probably get the assist on that one. You know, it won't go into history books as that, but it'll go into my mind is that, um, yeah, Villa, Villa were doing enough. I mean, the second half was, was way different than the first in terms of Villa, you know, you know, pressing the ball and actually trying to make a go of it. I'm supremely happy. I'm, I'll take the goal any way you can get it, you know. Um, but it's still, I think that it was really, really lucky. I didn't think that Elmo was going to have a hand in, in the goal when he came on. I thought they were probably going to use him to just kind of sit back and monitor things, you know, from, from an actual defensive point of view. So, but hey, I mean, we, we've seen El Mohamedy show up, you know, on times we think that he wouldn't before so I, I again he's, he's a veteran presence in that locker room he, he's greatly respected as far as I'm as far as I know as far as I've been told by some of the ranks in Villa that he's he's really really loved and adored he doesn't hesitate to you know talk with everybody he doesn't hesitate to put a boot up the backside of someone when they're not doing what they're supposed to do in training so you know I can see on the habity going on after his career and being a coach somewhere but you know when, when you're putting in goals like this and you know we might look back at this at the end of the season and yeah this is a little me being overly positive but you know we might look back at the end of the season and think like wow what what happens if that if Elmo doesn't score what if he doesn't contribute in that area when we needed him to so you know you never know what can happen there's, there's still games left there's still games to be won and lost but I, I think it was incredibly incredibly lucky for Aston Villa to get those goals today yeah no I totally agree I, I think the most ironic thing is if you look at everything 
before COVID kind of came up, you'd say we're probably one of the most unlucky teams in the Premier League. And now you look at the Sheffield United game, uh, somehow we got out with a point there. Obviously a goal should have counted. You look at this game, a lucky goal. I don't know. Or <laughs> in some weird way is luck turning on our side finally. I guess we'll, uh, we can put a final verdict on that uh, come the uh, last game of the season after that full 90 minutes against West Ham. Danny, I'll, I'll come to you next. After that point, we're basically chasing the game. We're controlling. We're putting all the pressure up. You have both Samata and Davis up there uh, playing two up top. Newcastle are all over the place defending for their lives. What were your thoughts on that last 10 minutes or so? Because obviously we're pushing, but clearly it's pushing at a, a point where it's just too late. Should have been done earlier. Same old story, Cole. What can I say that hasn't been said before, man? Um, yeah, it's just, it, it keeps happening, doesn't it? And it, and, it, and it just kind of further strengthens my belief that there's talent in the team, but they kind of hold themselves back. Now, personally, I think the problem was um, I really do think that despite, you know, Newcastle put a lot of pressure on us after, after half time. That's, that's fair enough. I, I can understand that they're at home. Uh, Steve Bruce really kind of knows a lot of pieces. But I think what really ended up happening was the players were, were really quite uh, out of energy. And I think it was just, it was, it was easy to see that. And that was those last 10 minutes, Conor Howrahan, who, you know, I, I don't think is, the strongest starter uh, comes along and he's, and he's starting and he shows a lot of energy. Uh, we've got El Mahamadi who's suddenly kind of uh, helping out a lot. You know, it gives, gives a lot more help to the wingers, as we said. Nakamba in there, providing more energy in that midfield. John McGinn, by the way, is shot by like 60 minutes. It's not his fault. I've said this before, but he does not have the energy for a full 90 minutes. He's, 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 not got the full, he's not got the energy for it. I think that's it, really. I think it was just, again, just, just having the onus, just having the ball and driving at Newcastle. That's where Villa are better. You know, let Grealish push at the defenders. You know, bring, bring players forward. When, when, usually when we're watching Villa, you see them kind of pinned at the back. But in those last 10 minutes, what you started to see was when Villa went forward, you saw the full sort of five or six players in that final Newcastle third. That should be happening more often, especially against the Steve Bruce side. You know, they're very one-dimensional, Newcastle. I don't, know, I don't know about what you guys thought, but I thought that Newcastle only really had one way of attacking, and that was pile the ball up to Alan Saint-Maximin and hope he gets a lucky, uh, hope he gets a lucky touch to it and, and see if he can drive through. I think that was, you know, it was, it was one-dimensional. There's no need to, to spend the whole game kind of trying to, trying to defend. Take those five players forward. Try and, try and do something. I mean, that was, that was it, really. But, I mean, we're, we're not as good at set pieces as, as, as other sides. But, we, you know, it was quite interesting that we scored from corner. I think that's, that's the main thing. Sometimes you just need that look. Sometimes you just need that header to just, just uh, you know, just attach itself, right? Yeah, I think I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, the interesting thing there too, Danny, if you look at Newcastle throughout the season, they're known for being a second half team. They're just basically going to sit back and assess the first half. If it's nil-nil, that's perfect for them. So I think this game was perfectly evident of that. You go into the second half, they're looking to stretch play. And of course, we're going to push a little bit. And even, I can't remember who was commentating on the stream I was watching, but they even said it best with, Villa's either going to stick and twist. They're either going to push for it or they're going to sit back and be happy with nothing and hopefully try to nick something out of luck. And somehow, of course, we, we switch off, and I wouldn't even say that was a stick-or-twist moment. But I think the big thing for me in this game, and although it's not three points, and Mark, I'll come to you, 
the thing I'm most proud about is the fact that we battled back from a losing position. Yes, we didn't win, but it's showing fight. Maybe it's not the amount of fight that we're hoping for and the result we're hoping for, but it's a hell of a lot better than a few games ago. That's for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think Danny's definitely on to something there. I mean, for me, I noticed as soon as the five minutes of stoppage time got shown, uh, Marvelous Nakamba had a play in the midfield. It got recycled back to Elmo. Elmo boots it across to Nakamba. Nakamba's at this point, I'm just standing right next to Tyra and Mings. So the ball's at Nakamba's feet. And you can literally see Mings tell him, like, give me the ball. I'm going to punt it forward. Nakamba literally looks at him and just takes off down the middle of the field. You know, like, I don't understand why that's just more of a thing. We, we don't really see that. You know, like, I get it. Like, Tyra wants to put it in the mixer per se, but like to have like four or five bodies forward, you know, that, that's such a positive thing. Like, why are we only doing that whenever stoppage time gets called? Why can't we, I'm not saying you have to do that the whole game. I'm not asking for Villa to, you know, exert themselves in such a manner where they're gassed by the 35th minute, but at least in phases of the game, you have to understand that like, it's okay sometimes to up the tempo and to turn it back down to turn it back up again. Um, that was really promising to me. I, I really think that that's something that they should probably try to do a little, a little bit more if they can. And I'm not saying that Marlis Nakamba, you know, is a world beating holding midfielder and he's going to be able to make those kind of runs all the time. But again, like Danny said, it's a Steve Bruce side. Um, you know, if, if, if you know, you, you might have a chance to, to snatch, you know, points away, you know, to, to actually get a win to put three points on the board rather it's, it's important. You need to do that, but I, I'm happy that we fought back. I'm really happy that we were able to get a point. It's just the next three games are going to be so, so difficult. You kind of have to question how, where those, where the other ones are going to come from. You know, you got to, you got to question of, are we even going to get a draw in the next three? It's, it's a serious doubt. I mean, you can, you can believe all you want, but these are three really good sides we're coming up against next. hundred um, percent. Danny is singing in the background. No, I'm just kidding, Danny. I know you're not, you don't have to defend yourself. <laughs> no, that's, 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 the, that's the call to prayer actually, right? My mom has a call to prayer, like alarm in the kitchen and that's what's going off. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i might leave that in because that's funny as hell but uh okay guys um let's get to the twitter thoughts here i'll just read them out and then we'll get over to our match balls um so we have a few here i'll read out uh from keith campbell he says better finishing and we would have been away laughing need more from beginning Grealish. we can take heart from or take take heart from the fact that since the break on the whole uh, we've defended very well indeed and minimized chances, whereas our rivals for survival have been crap. Need to take it to Wolves next. That moves on to Reese J saying Grealish's response said it all, sat on the ground, uh, staring blankly before walking off, half in tears, half infuriated. That's how it looked on TV anyway. You get the sense he's scared of getting the wins yeah, required that. in the remaining games, and I fully agree with that missed chance. And then the final one comes from Dan Hayes. Um, play two up, bench the wingers, rest him again, and use Nakamba to break up play, and her hand for his delivery and diamond. Use davis Samata grealish combo as an out ball, which retains possession in build. Apparently, we have some tactics guys letting us know what should happen. So get on the phone to Dino. Thank you all very much for getting involved. Of course, if you want to get involved in the future, you can tweet us at 7500 to Holt. But anyways, guys, let's get on to the match balls. Mark, since this is your first time, let us know who your man of the match is. Man, the match for me, the Villa's got to be Douglas Luiz. It's just a matter of, you know, sweeping up balls, and it seems like he's able to sniff out danger in the last three games. Not always the prettiest from Luiz. Again, Danny said it earlier, he, he's maybe not the best tackler you've ever seen in your life as a holding midfielder, but, man, he can sniff out danger with some big clearances, big tackles, and just seems to keep finding himself in proper places to break down attacks. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, you're the man of the match? 
You know what? It's 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 tough because I always end up giving it to Grealish. I, I was and I said Grealish <laughs> earlier on. I, I yeah, but he's the best. He's our best player. Like he is. Uh, I, I I thought he played well today coming into the centre, and I, as as well as I think Douglas Louise played. I think Jack Grealish really was. Um, I think he's my man of the match mainly for that assist late on, and also because he is the player that really looks the most annoyed when we're not winning, uh, and 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 I, and I do rate that. I, I still think that sometimes he goes down a little bit too easily and I'd like to see him kind of drive a little bit more, but I think him being in the centre helped a lot more. And, I, and you know what? We didn't look like we were being run out of midfield without him. I think, I think what we really need to do kind of next game to really make the most of him is, is maybe playing the Canberra and Louise instead of John McGinn. As, as, I think John McGinn's a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but I think, I think we're, we're yet to see the best of him until next season. I think if Nakamba and Louise kind of play alongside him, uh, kind of let Jack Greenish do the creative work. I think that that will really see the best of him. And I think I think uh, we saw today that he uh, really is a major sort of asset in that central midfield role. But we we already knew that. <laughs> Common knowledge, as I guess we could say. But yeah, if I, if I'm gonna give my match ball, hmm, I guess you could give it to Douglas Louise because he did play it out of his skin again, in my opinion. Uh, there's a few players you actually could probably throw it at as well. Um, Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, it's it is Alan Sam Maximando, isn't it? If we're being totally yes. honest with each yeah. other, yeah, yeah. Like honestly, there's if I'm gonna be brutally honest, there's Villa players that did things very well, but also there's no one that stuck out in the sense of like, wow, hundred percent, you're man of the match. So, barring the whole goal mishap, you know what? I probably would give it to Tyrone Mings just solely based on the fact that the amount of times that man block shots today he laid his body on the line and probably stopped a few few goals going in um i think the one most prevalent to me would be the almiron chance when he was like two feet away outside of goal um being what a block i mean almiron could have taken a shot way quicker but i think for me he would have to be my man of the match um but anyways we'll uh, move on from this game we'll wrap the one all result we'll take the point and we'll move on because we have wolverhampton wanderers on Saturday, um, a, a tough one for sure. They're battling for Champions League, I believe, at time of recording. They're two points out right now, so they're battling with United and Chelsea for that final spot, it looks to be. Um, could be a little bit different. Depends, of course, all on the Man City stuff as well um, with how many spots there will be. So they're not leaving anything up to chance. Mark, how are you feeling heading into this one? Because... <laughs> Unfortunately, it kind of sucks we're not running into some hard fixtures that could be a little bit easier with teams just coasting at this point. Yeah, I think the Wolves game is going to be just it's, – it's going to be tough. Um, I just want Villa to play like how they played in the 45 minutes today against Newcastle, if they can sustain that, you know, just kind of keep it as, as a balanced effort. You don't have to be too forward, too back. Um, I, I think that Wolves are, are due to, you know, drop points at some point with their remaining fixture list. I really hope it's against Villa. Um, I'm, I'm not too I'm, I'm not too doom and gloom like a lot of people that think that we're going to get pumped in this game. I saw a lot of people like, oh, we got to face Wolves next week, and they're such a half-line side. You know, and that is true, but I, I still think that it's one of those things where you can take the positives from the Newcastle game, try to instill them into the Wolves game. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm not too sure that the team selection is going to be massive too. Do we see Samada again? Does Keenan Davis come back into the squad? You know, are we, are we going to see Jack play more centrally? That all comes down to Dino and the coaching staff if they were happy with it. Um, for me personally, I thought, I think Jack looks fine in the middle, kind of as a free, free role. You saw him move out to the left today. You saw him move out to the right. Um, it might give a little bit of problems 
to uh, Connor Cody in the Wolves' back line. But, you know, you, you still have the, the one that got away. You still have Adama Traore. And, you know, he's, he's not a world-beating finisher by any means, but the things that he does well, he does really, really well. And he's added crossing to his repertoire since we've seen him at Aston Villa. So I, I think he's going to be one to look out for, obviously. That's a, that's a pretty obvious one. But it all comes down to, uh, to Villa's team selection and what Dino thinks is best. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? It wouldn't be a, a game against a uh, former Villa player if they didn't do some damage. So I'm fully expecting that. And Danny, we'll move to you next because I think the interesting battle that we touched upon pre-recording was um, – actually, I don't even know if you were there for that, so I guess you can put your input now – but um, would be Triore versus Matty Target. What what would you do in this situation? Because me and Mark pre-recording even threw around the thought, maybe you – for the heck of it, maybe you put – Neil Taylor at left back and you put Matty Target a little bit up for up front because he's going to hurt Matty Target by himself. And looking how Trezeguet defended today, I don't really have much confidence in him no, offering no, any no, no, solutions. No, no. no, it's not how you, it's, it's not going to happen. You can't, you can't box him off because you start trying to box off Adama Traore, then you're, then you're going to have to deal with Johnny on the other side and Hotter on the other side too. Look, Villa need to, Play Wolves like they played Wolves in the championship. Dean Smith needs to beat Wolves like he knows how to beat Dean. Like he knows how to beat Wolves. And that's by trying to score more goals than him. Look, we, we, we struggled with the wingbacks against Sheffield United. They were whipping balls in. Ender Stevens. Ender Stevens had Esri Konza for dinner in that game. And Johnny will do the same thing if we don't change something. Personally, if you ask me, you play El Mohamedi and you play Target. And you make sure they focus on, 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 on whipping the balls into the forwards. That's what I say. I say, you know, we, we, we try and come at them, rough them up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be, we don't, we're not always played off the pitch by them. I wouldn't be too scared of Adama Traore as long as the defense does their job. But if we let them have the ball for the entirety of the game, yes, it's going to be a problem. But uh, if you're going to try and block him off by putting two fullbacks there, that's just going to be even more of an issue because we'll never get up the pitch. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'll come right back at you, Danny, then. Because my biggest fear for this game is being spread too thin. And when I'm saying that is players out of position, we're not compact enough. We lose our shape. What's your biggest fear going into this game? Because I think we saw that getting closer to the end of this game, um, against Newcastle is we started to lose that shape. We started to go for it, which you can't blame them, but you know, against Wolves, they're going to punish you. So would you say, I guess, keeping the shapes the most important thing, or would you say taking our opportunities? Because I know it's a mixture of both, but what should be the bigger focus? No, it's taking our opportunities. It's taking our opportunities. Look, Wolves have capitalized in the last couple of games by scoring, by scoring goals in the second half. And that's because teams haven't, haven't punished them. You know, th- to be fair to them, they've probably had two of the easiest dinners for uh, for the last couple of games, right? You know, they they have eight, right? Because they but look, they they got West Ham, who you know terrible, uh, didn't even have a striker on the pitch. They played Michel Antonio up, t- up top, and it took Wolves until the seventieth minute to score against them. Um, you know, they 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 I think, uh, I think they annihilated Cresswell late on, but they didn't seem to have to do anything special to stop Wolves there. You know, same against. Bournemouth as well. You know, they, they, they won 1-0, but it was a 60th minute. This, this isn't a team that's like, you know, uh, absolutely full of goals like you imagine. It's not like that. This Wolves team, you know, there's ways of beating them. 
They're absolutely easy ways of beating them. Their central midfielders, Moutinho or Neves, I don't think they're blessed with incredible pace. You know, if, 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 if you play three midfielders and you, and you try to win that battle, it's more than possible. Uh, I, think, I think if Villa go out there and score in the first half, get a couple of early goals. I think that's obviously got to be the, got to be the focus. And I think you really do make Wolves struggle. This is, as I said, this is not some sort of indestructible side. This Wolves side is, you know, once you get to the bench there, there's, there's, not, there's not an awful lot of depth there, if I'm being honest. Just give them a game. There's no reason why we should approach this any differently than we approach the Sheffield United game. The only thing I would say is get Konza back in the centre, Get El Mohamedy there and just make sure that defense is a little bit more balanced. That's what I want to see. Just needs more balance. Well, that's fair. I, and I guess we could say Gilbert could be potentially back by then. I guess we don't know. Apparently he's ready for selection, just didn't get selected today. Probably not enough uh, fitness in the bank there yet. Mark, I'll come to you before we wrap things up. Because when you look at their hitman, Jimenez, uh, he's on fire right now. I think he's scored in every game since the Premier League's been back if I'm not mistaken he's a man on a mission he's a man on fire how how do we stop someone like that because I think that has to be one of our biggest concerns yeah with Jimenez he's a little bit of a different one because he's he's scoring the majority of the goals he's got 15 goals to his name this season the uh, one you know Balones uh, Diego Hata with six and then Adamatari with four so Danny's talking about they're, they're not an indestructible side they're, there's definitely ways you can beat them but it, it definitely has to start with stopping Jimenez from from getting the ball in positions that he likes to score from um, you know he, he's not I, I don't really consider him someone who's going to take a pop from long range I think he's more not not even like a target man or a poacher kind of style striker I, I just think it he puts himself into positions for chaos to happen. And that, that's, you know, it, it's exciting to watch. At the same point in time, it, it's very easy to mark someone like that. You just get close to them, put a body on them, you know, let them know you're there in a sense. Um, another thing that I'm looking for is, you know, as far as Wolves is let, let's try to, you know, for, for a better turn of phrase, let's try to piss them off a little bit. You know, they, they've they, they got a yellow card in them, you know, and if, if you can do that, if you can get them on early cards, especially Roman says he's got nine, Ruben Neves has eight, Yamatino's got seven. So, you know, if you, if you try to unsettle their discipline and you're able to stop their main striker who scored 15 goals so far, I, th- I think you'd have a better chance. And, and that, that's what I'm really looking forward to whenever, you know, Villa, you know, go to Wolves. But just like Danny said, man, I, I agree completely with him. You know, the kid knows what he's talking about. And it's just all about, you know, give a game to him. Go out there and put yourself forward. Show me a little bit of passion. Show me, show me a little bit of urgency. Show me you want to stay in the Premier League. And, you know, doing that, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to pick up points here soon. Have to pick up wins, big three points. Uh, you know, I would, I would love for it to start against Wolves. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. Look, yeah. look, this is the, this is the thing, right? We're, we're, we're out here kind of getting worried about Adama Traore. Make them worry about Grealish. Make them worry about El Ghazi. If those, if those guys turn up, if those guys turn up, they can give a proper game. Especially if, the, especially if you've got two wingers. Oh, sorry, if you've got if you've got wingers being supported by guys like El Mahamadi and Matty Target who know how to whip a cross in, once you're past their fullbacks, once you're pack, past Johnny and, and Adama Traore, well, you know, <laughs> they're they're they're, they're going to be at the mercy of their th- of their centre backs. And uh, I think I think the main thing against Wolves is you've got to try and take advantage of that width. That is that is it. That is basically the the thing to do against them. They're not always going to turn up. They're, it's, it's, they're, they're not they're not as strong as you think they are that's what i'm saying cole <laughs> yeah no no it's all good that's a that's a great point and thanks for uh talking over me because i'm glad you actually said that that's a lot better than i was probably what i was probably gonna say no no i want you to say what you're gonna say cole come on don't don't do that 
Oh, I feel loved. Thanks, buddy. No, I think I think the main important thing here is to play without fear. We have to go for it. It's put up or shut up time. Like we keep going on, and we have all season about okay. I think some Villa fans probably even went far as probably taking the whole calendar and kind of crossing off which games we realistically have a chance at, where we can get our points, and where we can't. And right now, we have to look at every game as an opportunity to get one to three points at least. Losing isn't an option. We, you look at Brighton; they're basically completely away from the whole scrap for the foreseeable future. You never know what happens that they could be dragged back into it. But now they're, I think what five points off of the rest of the team scrapping for it right now, sitting on 33 points because they did things right for two games. Basically they took advantage of teams that can be taken advantage of. They played without fear. And with the display that I saw tonight, against Newcastle I do have confidence I think if we can keep that shape if we can keep the personnel on the pitch that was on tonight barring obviously the change of the backs I think the whole right back thing needs to get solved here quickly I think we have a chance and maybe we're all being openly optimistic but to be a Villa fan you kind of have to be blindly optimistic because if you if you don't have that you're miserable all the time but anyways We'll wrap things up there. Actually, before we do that, I should say, <laughs> let's get to the score predictions because that's probably what most people want to hear so they can take the mick out can of us. I, can I ask a quick question just, yes. just before we move on to it? Just because I've seen a few people like bring this up and I think that it's kind of, a, it's kind of the, the hipster opinion over here. There's a little bit of a cult of personality growing on it as well. Uh, but Hotter, do you play him in next game? There's been a lot of talk about whether he deserves to come on because he showed... 10 minutes of gloriousness against Chelsea and we didn't see him against Newcastle. Um, ooh, Mark, I'll go to you with that one if you want to answer that first, buddy. No, I want to see Indiana Vass live on that pitch way before I see Hotter on the pitch. I don't think Hotter <laughs> is, is biased. <laughs> is that, anyway. is that biased there? Or? Uh, I, actually, no, man. Like I, I watched Indiana a lot. Whenever there was U23 games last season that were able to be, uh, able to be broadcast, um, I, I, I think the kid's very raw. And listen, I'm not saying he's a world beater, and I'm not even saying that he's going to be at Aston Villa in the next three seasons. But mm. I am saying that it's the determination factor. When we came into the injury crisis in January and we had to implement him, he's not flash. He's more grit. And I think maybe right now when you're in a relegation scrap, it, it helps to have a little bit more grip, grit and determination in your team other than the flashiness and finesse that we see out of El Ghazi and Trezeguet. He's, the, yeah. he's, a, he's, he's got that. He's got exactly the same thing that Davis has, right? I'm not saying they're the same player, but they, they'll, they'll both press. They'll both push. They, they'll, they'll, they'll see an opposition player. They'll see a Premier League player and go, right. Uh, I'm, you know what? This isn't, a, this isn't a PG podcast, isn't it? Uh, he'll, he'll look at a player and he'll go, fuck that, right? You're, not, you're no better than me, right? I'm a Premier League standard player. Let me show you what I've got. And, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll push to try and get that ball back. That's, that, that, that's, that's the kind of fire you like to see from a player. And I think that's what Indy's got more than anything. Yeah, and Danny, another thing that not a lot of people are talking about, uh, you, you were saying it's incredibly hot in the UK today. And, you know, for us over here in, in the US, you know, our, our football players are used to playing in that heat. I think Indiana might have been able to come on the pitch a little bit earlier in the second half if, if Dino wanted to make that change. And he would have been okay with the heat. It wouldn't have bothered him. He's been playing in that his entire life. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's a very minute detail, but, like, that's the kind of managerial decisions I would like to see come from Dean Smith. Oh, Mark, listen, it's a great point, but I'm not sure what you, how much you know about UK geography because that's up in Newcastle. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure about heat in Newcastle, man. I've heard yeah. that the weather is terrible up there. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, good point. 
Okay, well, I'll intersect that with I'll get our score predictions now. Good conversation, guys. That was actually good to bring in. Danny, your score prediction first, sir. Uh, who are we playing against? Wolves, yeah? Uh, <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Wolves are always going to score goals. We might score a goal, but I'm not sure. I'm uh, waiting for the nil-nil. <laughs> it was coming. <laughs> I said nil-nil against Newcastle. I was very nearly right. Um, I'm going to go one all. That's one fair. Draw. Optimistic, That's fair. optimistic scoreline. One all against Wolves. They're not that good. And I think we're better than West Ham and, and Bournemouth. I think we're good enough to score a goal against them. But, you know, it's just, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on these players. I think Dean Smith does need to give a couple of them, you know, a proper bollocking. But uh, I think more than anything, he needs, to, he needs to show the ability to change. And that's what's going to make or break his managerial career. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. <laughs> Dean Smith, his life's on the line, apparently. Um, <laughs> moving on to Mark, what's your score prediction, buddy? I'm going to ruffle Danny's feathers a little bit and say it's going to be a 2-1 Villa victory with Indiana Vasilev coming on late, popping <laughs> one in, and it's going, to, it's going to be ugly goal. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to get us three points. Uh, you guys can't see this at home, of course. You can't see us at all, but Danny just muted his mic, so maybe that's why he's swearing you off or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, listen, I, 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 I like to be challenged. Otherwise, how can I come back with rebuttals? <laughs> Okay, well, we'll do your rebuttal after the pod. We'll, we'll, I'm sure people would love to hear that, but we've rambled Silence on long again. enough. Yes, it's okay, Daddy. We'll do another live on the 7500 uh, to hold 7500 to hold. Wow, if I can remember that Twitter account, and you can go off on one there, buddy. How about that? Once again, I'm being attacked for bringing new ideas to the table. <laughs> It is what it is. But anyways, uh, my score prediction, you know, I said one all for the Newcastle game and I got slated. Apparently I was too negative. So I'm going to go two one as well. We need the win. So I'm going to be blindly optimistic and go for it. Indiana Vaslov isn't going to score. I'm shocked if he'll even touch the pitch aside yeah, from too. getting warmed up. But <laughs> um, to Danny's point on um, Hata, I doubt he's going to play. I, I can't see it. So I'm not going to have any put on there. I'm going to say, you know what? I'll even say the score predictions here uh, for goal score. Um, we'll go with McGinn to get one because I think he just needs one. And what? yeah, I think he needs one. What? I, I, I want to see a pop shot just from outside the box. Just something beautiful, early lead, something positive. And then we'll go with a, you're going to like this, a Keenan Davis winner. Yes, mate. I like that a lot. So I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, damn Americans, I'm Canadian. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so that's that's my score prediction. But anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much to Danny and for Mark for joining me, uh, I guess you could say, this evening for us all. Uh, Mark, if you want to be so kind, uh, feel free to uh, plug your stuff away right now. Oh, yeah, sure, man. You can follow me over on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. You can also follow everything that I do as far as podcast and my team's writing and all that kind of fun social media stuff over at Villa lamp for under a gaslit lamp. Thanks so much for having me on guys. This is a lot of fun. It's definitely not going to be the last time though. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. And Danny, of course I'll silence you again. I will plug you for you. 
Of course, you can find Danny on Twitter at Razagerno. You can find me, Cole Pedham, on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. And of course, if you want to get involved, like I said before, tweet us at 7500 to Holt. Email us in at HoltCastPod at gmail.com. And if you want to go to the website and read some great articles, it's www.7500toholt.com. We'll leave it there, guys. Hopefully, we get some good news on Saturday with a positive result. But don't forget, up the villa. Up the villa.